let's continue our series, The Warrior. We're in the third week of a four-week series, and the basic premise is this. This really is a series for men, although I've gotten a kick out of some of the ladies in the church who've begun to call themselves warriorettes, which is perfectly acceptable, and uh, you know, certainly not all of this information is is uh, exclusive to men. There are some applications for women as well, and I think that today there will be some applications for women as well, but we've talked primarily to men, and we basically have said that men have been given by God the heart of a warrior, and that the warrior is called by God to enter our culture and enter the world and to fight valiantly for the kingdom and to represent for the kingdom. And so, uh, you know, that's, I don't think anybody would argue with that. I think that most people understand that that's what God's calling us to do and that's what we should be about. Today, I want to talk a little bit about another primary responsibility for every warrior, and that is to take the arrows out of his quiver that Bible, the Bible refers to our children as such, to take those arrows out, to load them into the bow, pull back the bow, and release our sons and daughters into our culture to become warriors and warriorettes to influence the kingdom of Christ. That's one of the things we're called to do. We have a responsibility to raise up young people, uh, our sons and daughters, and to prepare them to enter the fray uh, on behalf of the kingdom. I want to read to you a verse of scripture. This is Psalm 127, verses 4 and 5. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Gentlemen, you have been given the heart of a warrior. There would be few things, if any, that would be a more important charge for you than this charge, that you would take your spiritual bow and that you would load it with, with the quiver, the, the arrows out of your quiver, and to pull back and to launch your sons and daughters into the battle that happens every single day. They have to be prepared for that. They have to have some things modeled for them. They have to be taught certain things. We have to train and empower them, and then we release them into this spiritual war every day, and that we ask them to go fight as well. It's, it's done in an effort to advance the kingdom. But the problem is, when you have a wound in your heart, when you go to draw back the bow, you don't have the strength sometimes that's necessary to do that effectively. If you have been wounded as a warrior, you do not have the strength sometimes to do what it takes to pull back the bow and to release those uh, young ones uh, the way you've been called to do. Robert Bly is the man who coined the phrase, the father wound, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Now, I might talk about some of this today. <clears throat> you may hear me speak today and say, you know what, that, that really doesn't apply to me. And it's possible. It's possible that, that your father was a great guy <clears throat> and that he did not inflict any father wounds on you at all. And you're going to listen to this message and think that it's a bunch of psychobabble and, and that it just doesn't have any application for you. That's fine. But I'm telling you right now, there are people in the room who have had inflicted upon them the father wound. They have had a father that has wounded them in some way. And so this message is going to speak somewhat to that. And even if you haven't been wounded by your father, there will be some application for you as well. Why is it that we are often hurt by the male authority figures in our life? And I'm, I'm not talking really just to the men right now. I'm talking to women as well. Why is it that, that we at times get inflicted we have these wounds inflicted upon us by our, uh, 
uh, male authority figures. How many of you would say this? And I, I'm going to ask you to show your hands. I don't think this is a dishonorable thing at all. How many of you would say, I w- if I, if, in a perfect world, if all things being equal, I would like to have had a better relationship with my father? I'll raise my hand. I can tell you that I would raise my hand to that. I would like to have had a better relationship with my father growing up. I think most of us would, would say, you know, that's probably true. I think one of the reasons it's easy to receive a wound from a, a male authority figure, and in this case, let's talk about fathers for just a minute, is that for young warriors, especially little boys, they, they grow up and they think when they're little that their dads are perfect. You know, when, when you're little and you see this huge hulk of a man, my father was huge to me when I was a little guy, and, and I just didn't think that he could do a whole lot wrong. And you know, I remember being about, let's see, I had to have been about five or six years old. And I lived across the street from my best friend, Dwayne Barnett. And, uh, and his house was, his dad was the undertaker, so his house was the funeral home, which was kind of weird when you go play at his house. But because but, there, what are those boxes in there? And what's that dude doing in there laying like that? You know, it's kind of strange. So um, one day, Dwayne and I had had a falling out, and we weren't getting along very good, and so I was on my side of the street, he's on his side of the street, and we get into it, and we start going back and forth. Well, my bicycle's better than your bicycle, and you know where this is going, don't you? And my house is bigger than your house, and my mom cooks better than your mom, and you know what's coming, don't you? Well, my dad can beat up your dad. My dad's bigger and tougher and badder than your dad is. Well, we kind of got into it, and sure enough, it got to the place where... Now, now, as an adult, I really don't want my kids having conversations like that, okay? It's not... It's like, no, no, no. If you hear that, it's like, hey, guys, guys, you know, calm down. You can just see the headlines. Preacher. (laughs) Defends his reputation among his young boys. But somewhere... In our idealistic worlds, somewhere between that idealistic view we had of our dad and the point where we grow up to become men ourselves and we meet the real world, our imposed expectations on our dads are shattered. And the reason they're shattered is because we find out that they are just like us. They're imperfect. They, don't, they make mistakes. They, they don't have everything together. They, they don't everything isn't lined up in their world all the time we we understand that about us we just sang songs about how broken we are and how weak we are we understand that we can sing those songs when it's about us but somehow as we grew up when we started we didn't see dad like that we saw dad as put together and everything in place and man he's awesome and somewhere between that and now you say well maybe not and the reason you say maybe not is because because you come to the place where you say he's just like me And oftentimes, that imperfection issues a hurt and a wound in our hearts. Now, men, we don't like to talk about this, and most of us really don't want to deal with it, and many pretend that the wound is not there. It's kind of like there's an appliance in your home that you want to pretend doesn't exist. I'll clue you in that it does exist. Your, Your wives would really like for you to know that this appliance exists. It's called a vacuum. I have been lightly trained in the skill of the use of the vacuum, not nearly to the extent that my, my wife would appreciate probably. I know where it is. She'd probably like for me to find it more often, but 
Have you ever done the thing where you're, you're sweeping along and, and uh, you come across something and you go over it and you come back and it's still there? So you go over it again and it's still there. So you just keep going over it and then you just keep going over it and then when it doesn't come up, what do you do? You bend down, you pick it up and then what do you do? You throw it back down and see if the sweeper will get it the next time around. Have you ever done that? You know what? Men do that all the time. And I think it's possible that men could do this with these wounds that I'm talking about this morning. These things that we know are there, we can see them, we can feel them, they've, they've impacted us in some way. And, and we, you know, we'll pass by it, we'll pass by it, we'll pass by it. Eventually we may pick it up and think about doing something with it, but, but probably what we do more times than not is we put it back where it was. We should pick it up. We should take the wound to God and say, God, help me with this. I want to get over this. I want to give, I want forgiveness. I want healing. I want, I want it fixed. I want it to be better. But oftentimes men don't do that. We, we look at it. We think about it. We carry it with us a little bit sometimes. We just don't want to deal with it. One of the words that you will hear used by somebody who's been wounded by their father is the word distant. You know, they'll say, well, my dad was, he was distant. They're trying to be nice. He, he just, you know, he was kind of off, aloof. He was distant. He was uninvolved. You hear him say, well, my dad was, you know, growing up, my dad was, he was pretty busy. Or he was mean, or he, he was angry. You might hear somebody say, my dad was weak. Here's a question for you today, warriors. When your sons and daughters grow up one of these days and they talk about what kind of father you were, what kind of words are they going to use? Will they call you faithful? Spiritually strong? Will they call you involved and engaged? Men, there are very few things that are as important in your world as your focus and your ability and your willingness to draw back the bow and to release your warriors and warriorettes into the spiritual battle every day. The problem you have if you've been wounded is that oftentimes you don't have the strength to do that. It's kind of like a, a wounded animal. I've never done this. I've been told that you don't ever corner a wounded animal. Because when you corner a wounded animal, they attack because that's all they know. Now, I've never, because I've been told, especially with things like raccoons and, and cats, even dogs, I've always been told if you see an animal like that, you, you make sure you give it a way out because you're not going to like the consequences if you don't. But if you're a wounded warrior and you carry wounds in your heart and your soul and, and you've had them for a long time, chances are good that you are going to become someone who wounds and hurts other people. So it's really important that you understand, first of all, that this, this problem exists and then what to do with it once you have it. Because if you don't deal with it right, you're going to hurt somebody. So what should you do? You should go before the great physician. You should hold it up to him and say, I'd like healing for this. I'd like for this to be taken care of. 
I think that this healing work will happen according to a verse that comes out of the Old Testament. It's one of the last verses. It's the last verse in the Old Testament. Malachi verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. Malachi 4, 6. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. I'm hoping that that happens today. That something that gets said today maybe prompts something in you to go and turn your heart toward your dad. Hopefully that happens today. Some of you were raised by great men, men of God, spiritual men, leaders, men who focused in and did their best to raise up leaders for Christ to, and have drawn back their bow and fully and effectively released those men and women, you being one of them, into the world to advance the kingdom of Christ. Some of you have that. If you have that, if you grew up in a re- with a relationship with your dad where he did not inflict wounds on you and you feel like my dad was engaged, he was there, he was spiritually strong, he was all those things, then you need to worship this morning and give thanks for the fact that you have a father like that because not a lot of people do. You need to send him an email or write him a letter or give him a call, send a card and say, thanks, Dad, for contending for me and for teaching me and for preparing me and for drawing back your bow and launching me. And for those of you who would say, well, I wasn't blessed with that kind of paternal relationship, this is a message that I think that God has designed for you. We're going to go before the great physician and we're going to let him heal our our hearts and our wounds this morning. The Bible teaches us three things that I think that the Lord wants us to know and, and, and how he wants us to, to deal with us and how he wants to heal our wounds. The first one is this. The warrior must acknowledge the wound. You have to acknowledge that you're wounded. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front, most warriors don't want to do this. Most men don't do this. When they get hurt, they want to pretend that there's really not a problem when they, that this happens in marriage, ladies, oftentimes there's resentment that will build up within your husband's heart and it's because he does not want to acknowledge that he's had his feelings hurt because men aren't supposed to have their feelings hurt. And so he'll ignore it. And, and then that's when problems can start. If you want to see an, a wounded warrior in the Old Testament, a good place to start is with David. Because not only could you be wounded because you... Uh, have an issue with your dad but it could be that you have an issue with your son or your daughter you could be wounded because of something that's going on um, you know in the paternal hierarchy below you rather than above you but if you want to see it in the Old Testament you can see David David had a son named Absalom and their relationship was broken and David was a wounded warrior in fact, at one point, David wrote these words about the pain that he was facing in his life. This is from the, uh, Psalm 109, verses uh, 22, and then later on in verse 26. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. Help me, O Lord, my God. Most men don't want to acknowledge that they've been wounded because most men have been taught that you're not supposed to cry. Big boys don't cry. You know, we... we, we toughen up how many of you have ever had a dad that when you cried over something said you know you need to toughen up you need to get stronger don't let that do that to you 
This is illustrated for us in our movies. You watch a movie like Braveheart, and they're out there fighting valiantly, and all of a sudden some guy takes an arrow right into the heart. What does he do? What does he do? He breaks off the arrow, and he throws it to the side, and he keeps on fighting. And the silent message is, men, minimize the wound. Don't let anybody know you're hurt. Don't address it. Pretend like it's not there. (laughs) Two or three years ago, I love to play softball, as you know. And two or three years ago, I was uh, <clears throat> I was playing, and we we were toward the end of the season, and it was time when every game counted. And I was playing shortstop this particular night, and a ball got hit to me, and it, it was a rocket. I mean, it was just it bounced one time. It bounced about three feet in front of me, and you know I'm their term in in sports is it undressed me I mean it just is just a it's coming right at me and I'm not I'm not as quick as I used to be but I would like to think that I'm still have a little bit of reflex left but this ball hit the ground and it came up and I had my glove ready to catch it I turned my body a little bit to the side so I could shield myself just a little bit and I went to catch the ball and the ball was hit so hard and was moving so fast that it came up and it it caught the end of my glove I didn't get the glove up fast enough so basically what happened is this ball hit my pinky finger and broke it through my glove I didn't know that at the time I just knew it hurt so naturally I missed the play and and I'm upset about that I'm probably more upset about that than I am the pain of my finger hurting but I knew that I had a problem because this hurt more than anything that I'd ever experienced like that before I mean you get nicks and cuts and hurt a little bit but this really really hurt so I turned around I took my glove off I'm standing behind the second base and I've, I've, I've got my back turned to coach Redinger because I don't want him to see what I'm doing so I'm, I'm walking away and why do men do this but, but every man, when they hurt their finger like this in sports, they all do this. And I learned from a hand physician later that it's really stupid and we shouldn't do it. But we do it and we shouldn't. I grab this finger and I start pulling on it. And I'm standing behind the second base and I'm pulling on this finger like, come on, just get fixed, get better. And I put my glove back on and I, I kind of shake it a little bit. I walk to shortstop and I hear Ron yell from the dugout, <clears throat> Brett, are you Okay. We're taught at an early age, you don't let people see when you're hurt. You, don't, you, you minimize the pain. You don't address these kind of things. You've you got to let it go. You can't, you, you can't dwell on it. You can't focus in on it. You just pretend like it's not there. Now, there are consequences if I said, yes, I'm hurt, and this, I can't do this anymore. He's going to say, no, come sit down, and didn't want to do that. Gentlemen, we have got to learn to acknowledge the wound in our lives. And I don't know what it is for you. It's different for different ones of us. And like I said, you may, you may be here this morning hearing this thinking, Brett, this doesn't apply to me. Then praise God for your good fortune 
and pray for somebody that is struggling with something like this this morning. But it could be that your dad passed away at a really early age. It could be that your dad was abusive to you or someone that you loved. It could be that, that he worked all the time and he was gone and he wasn't around and you just never saw from him or heard from him. It could be that he never, ever said a kind word to you or anybody else. He might have been an alcoholic and therefore his most favored thing was not you or not your family, not your mom, not your house or anything else. It was where could he get his next drink? It could be that you grew up with multiple authority figures in your life and you really never could sort out which one exactly was the one you were supposed to listen to. He may have left you and your mom when you were little and you resent it to this day. It may be that you needed attention and he was just emotionally gone. I don't know what it is. I don't know what kind of thing could have been inflicted upon you that you, you're, I'm talking this morning and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I could have gone all day and not had to deal with this. But it's, it's kind of like a plant. You can kill a plant one of two ways. You can take it and just crush it or you can ignore it. Either way, it's going to die. Many young warriors die a slow spiritual death in their hearts because they're craving the attention that was not there. You think about Jesus and the pain that Jesus experienced on the cross. You think about the physical pain that Jesus went through, which, which had to be, I can't imagine something that would hurt worse physically than what Jesus went through. I mean, you hear torture techniques all the time, but, but I can't imagine anything hurting any worse than what he went through. But, but I really think that beyond the physical pain that he endured on the cross, there was a spiritual, emotional pain that Jesus went through. We see that um, unfold on the cross. I mean, he went to the cross to take our sin on himself. To The Bible says literally become sin on our behalf. Think about the one who is pure and holy and blameless who goes to the cross and receives on himself the wrath and punishment for that sin taking it on himself so that he can die, be buried, and then raise again to be victorious in life over death and to extend to us the hope of eternity. And when he became sin, God, who is totally pure and totally holy, there is a part of him that cannot even look on Jesus at that point. He, he, can't, he can't see that. He can't be close to that. He can't even look upon evil in that way, and so he turns away. And when God turned away, Jesus uttered what may be some of the most painful words you're ever going to hear a son say to a father. Why have you forsaken me? where are you going why have you turned away why, why, where are you why aren't you there there are here today I think some strong warriors on the outside but on the inside you carry these things with you every day and you struggle with them and I think if you could get 
past some of the wounds that are on the inside. I think if you could get past that exterior, that, that strong, I'm tough, you know, big boys don't cry mentality on the outside, I think if you could penetrate what you'd find when you got to the wound on the inside is a little boy who's wounded and would say, Daddy, where were you? I, I needed you, and why did you go away? God has given you a great call to release the next generation of warriors, to prepare them, to put them in the bow, draw them back, and release them to advance the kingdom. And you cannot do what God intends for you to do if you do not acknowledge the wound and say, I'm weak. Second thing I want you to understand is that the warrior must forgive through Christ. Someone would say, well, what's so, what, what was done to me was so bad and it's not fair. They don't deserve forgiveness. Well, I would just remind you that you don't deserve forgiveness either. I don't deserve forgiveness, but we get it. It's ours. Colossians 3, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You think about the people that you are closest to in your life the people you're really close to in your life. Chances are good you're not close to them because you've hurt one another. That's not what makes you close. Chances are really good that the reason you're close to the people in your life, the people who mean the most to you, chances are real good that you've hurt one another or you've done something wrong them in some way and you have forgiven them and they have forgiven you. Forgiveness knits you together. It makes you closer. You have a history now. You look back and you can say, remember when I did this and you forgave me? You really demonstrated your friendship to me when you forgave me. Maybe today some sons will forgive their fathers. Maybe some fathers and mothers will forgive their sons and daughters for things that have been done. There's a great call on your life. God first needs to heal your heart. Acknowledge the wound we forgive through Christ. Step three is very important, and I don't know that many ever really achieved this. Number three, the warrior must accept his father through Christ. Or the warrior must accept his son or his daughter. See, this could go up or this could go down. Romans 15, verse 7. Accept one another then. How? just as Christ accepted you why in order to bring praise to God just remember ladies and gentlemen if your dad hurt you remember that he more than likely was wounded too if you're hurt rather than be full of anger and bitterness and resentment Find compassion for the one who at some point in their life more than likely was wounded also. Here's a thought that I hope will penetrate your heart and could possibly change your life this morning. Love your father for who he is, not as you hoped he would be. Love your sons and your daughters for who they are 
not as you hope they will be. I've spent a lot of time at this ballpark over here, and I have seen more than once demonstrated for me a father whose love was dependent on his son living up to what he thought he should be. And I've seen lots of fathers fail over there when sons struck out. And they didn't live up to what the dad thought they should be. And I've watched some sons hang their head and regret having to walk back to the dugout because they were going to walk back to a father who could not accept them because they hadn't lived up to the expectation that they had. Do you have sons or daughters? Love them for who they are. Don't love them for what you hope that they will be. One of the most important things that God will ever call you to do is to train up and equip and release the next generation of warriors into a war that is the work of God to advance the kingdom. God created us with some unique gifts, men, to be able to do that. Now, I want to say that it goes without saying. Our society understands, and no one would, would argue for a moment the role of mothers in the lives of their children. No one ever argues that, okay? That's, that's just like a, a given. We know that. Moms are important, hugely important. The roles of fathers many times are diminished in the lives of kids, and the importance that they have uh, shows up, I believe, in the culture that we have today. A lot of guys searching for what it looks like to be a man because nobody's ever showed them. So I'm not diminishing the role of mothers. Not, no one would suggest for a second that moms aren't important, okay? But what I'm saying is, men, you are so important in the lives of your kids. God's given us some gifts to use as well. I want to say at this point, I want to stop just for a minute and say that there are quite a few. If you look around, you will find some young warriors who do not have warriors to look up to. And it would be my challenge to each of you, and I have a few of these in my life, uh, young boys who have not had warriors to look up to. And I'm trying to be for them the warrior that they can look up to. I would challenge you to look around you and see if you can find young warriors who don't have a warrior to look up to. And to then become that for them. To speak truth over and into their life. To show them what it is to be a man, a godly man. Now, much of what I've said today could be applied to, to fathers, their sons, and their daughters. But I want to talk specifically for just a few minutes about sons, about fathers and sons, just for a minute. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, and God the Father speaks into Jesus the Son. God the warrior, remember that we learned that the Lord, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And he said this, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I think some of the most emotional words that a father can say to any son is to claim him. This is my son. This is my son. And I'm crazy about you. And I love you. And I can't tell you how proud I am of you. There's something about when a father says to a son, 
you are my son. A couple of thoughts I want us to embrace this morning uh, relative to this particular discussion, men and their sons. Number one, the warrior empowers his son with love. You want to empower your son? Love him. We've got to learn how to show that kind of love. We as men, we, we really don't even know how to give a compliment. Have you noticed that? You ever notice how a man gives a compliment? Sounds like this. Dude, how does a big, fat, ugly, bald guy like you marry a babe like that for a wife? <laughs> you know? We, and the other guy's like, oh, you know, shucks. You're such a kidder. That's how we give compliments. We, you know, we can't look at some guy and say, you know, congratulations to you because your wife's really pretty and she's nice and you did a good job. Well, we can't do it like that. We've got to cut him down, you know, make him feel like he doesn't deserve her. And Why can't we look at our sons and say, I love you? Do you know how much I love you? Man, I just think you're the coolest. You're awesome. I'm proud of you. Love to spend time with you. I love you for who you are, not for what you can do for me, not for what you can become. I just think you're pretty stinking awesome the way you are right now. I'm proud of you. Second thing we've got to embrace is that the warrior empowers his son with affirmation. Why is it that every little boy says this, Daddy, watch me, watch me. Daddy, look at me. Daddy, watch this. Daddy, did you see? Did you see? Daddy, are you coming to my game? Will you be there? Why? Because every son craves the affirmation of his father. Every son. Son doesn't exist that doesn't crave the affirmation of his father. Don't even try to slip that by like, well, that's not really a big deal. Every son craves the affirmation of his father. I can state that as an absolute. When my mother, when my mother's mother passed away, I did the funeral. I don't know how that works, but I've done the funeral for all my grandparents that were living. It's kind of strange. It's hard. And she passed away after a, a, a pretty long bout with leukemia, and she's a graceful, dignified, great woman. So I muscled up and I did the funeral. And then we went to the church afterward where everybody was going to eat. Why do we do that? We, we eat when we grieve. We eat. We, why do we? I don't understand that, but that's what we do. And I was there and Myra was there and Bennett was there. Bennett was just a little guy. And 
out of the blue, my dad walked up to me. And he hugged me. And he said, I'm so proud of you. I was, I don't know how old I was, in my 30s. I'd never heard him say that to me. And I didn't know until that moment how much I'd missed it. Every son craves the affirmation of his father. Every son. One day, a mother's going to look at a son. And she's going to say, through either tears of regret and grief, you're just like your father. Or she's going to say, with great joy and encouragement. You are just like your father. What will it be for you? One of these days when your son grows up and your wife looks at you and then looks at your son and she says, you're just like your father, is that going to be said through tears and regret and grief? Or will it be said through great joy and a huge smile. You are just like your father. Men. It is our responsibility to disciple our kids, to reach into our quiver, place them into the bow, and with strength pull back and release another generation of warriors into the fray and if you're a wounded warrior this morning you it's your responsibility to your kids to get that fixed to come to the great physician and say lord i admit that i'm wounded i forgive the one who inflicted this wound and i accept him in christ if you've never done that, you need to do that this morning because you, you will not have the strength it takes to draw back the bow and do what God calls you to do unless you do that. Normally at the end of a message, I will prepare us for a time where we give our hearts to Christ. We're not doing that this morning. I mean, if you want to accept Christ at the end of this message, that's fine. You're welcome to come forward and do that. But I want us to pray right now. And again, some of you are thinking, this message doesn't apply to me. Well, congratulations. Give thanks. Honor God because this message didn't apply to you. But there are people in the room that 
have been touched this morning by something that's been said because they did have a father that did inflict wounds. And we're going to take the next several minutes. We're just going to pray real briefly and give you the opportunity to go to the great physician. Let's pray together. Father, I'm real tempted, Lord, when I hear this kind of stuff to be that uh, brave heart warrior that just snaps off the arrow and acts like nothing's wrong. I think most men are that way. We're, we're taught pretty early to be tough, and we're taught pretty early to act like nothing bothers us. But Lord, if we're honest, some of us carry around some stuff that bothers us. I give you thanks for a father that loves me, who uh, it took him a while, God, but once that first I'm proud of you came out of his mouth he, he's, he's been pretty consistent in that he's, he loves me and I don't doubt it for a second but Lord I think it's highly possible that there are people in this room this morning who carry deep wounds and because they've been so deeply wounded they, they really honestly cannot disciple their kids the way they need to simply because they've got resentment and bitterness and all this stuff that they're carrying around and so Lord we know that the only place we can go with that stuff is to you Father we acknowledge that we're hurt help us to forgive help us to get to that place where we we truly and genuinely say, you know what, it hurts, but I know you didn't mean it, and I forgive you. And then, Lord, would you help us to accept the one who wounded us? If it's a daughter, or if it's a son, or if it's dad, or even mom, would you help us right now to accept that one the way we have been accepted by you? We don't deserve your love, we definitely don't deserve your grace. You freely give it. Father, would you make us like you in that? Would we freely extend grace and forgiveness to the ones who've hurt us? Would we accept them? Lord, we love you. You model the way for us. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.